We are not going to have a circus here. But we just left pleasure. Paradise. Paradise. Can you please hug me? <laughs> Do not worry, Dutch is not here today. We, we clearly learned our lesson. These are not ordinary times. And this will not be an ordinary election. It's been a very active year in the world of California politics. With a new governor, California Democrats have seen an opportunity to pass some of the more liberal laws in the nation. On today's show, we're taking a look back at the bills that have cleared the legislature and a look forward at what's now on Governor Gavin Newsom's desk. Recapping the year with me are my colleagues Hannah Wiley, Andrew Sheeler, and Sophia Bolag. You're listening to California Nation. I'm Brian Anderson. And when you hear about folks talking about the new economy, the gig economy, the innovation economy, it's feudalism all over again. That's all it is. We know the bill. Amendments are first. California Governor Gavin Newsom signed two bills on Monday that would limit vaccine exemptions for school children in the state. Now at 5.30, California students who get in trouble will have to stay in school. The new law that suspends suspensions and keeps students in the classroom. Instead of making uh, paper receipts the default, let's make electronic receipts or email receipts the default. And you can get a paper receipt by request. Um, on the issue of menstrual products, um, yeah, um, Holly's right. It's not the most comfortable place to be standing talking about these issues. I'm just being honest about that. California's governor, governor Gavin Newsom today signed a bill that would require the president to release his tax returns. Governor Gavin Newsom signs legislation changing the way the state pays for wildfire damage. Joining me right now here in our studio to talk about the ongoing bills and what has already happened is Sophia Boleg and Hannah Wiley. I have to ask about Assembly Bill 5 first to start out. This is about gig workers and this is a larger conversation related to a 2018 Supreme Court ruling called Dynamex. Can you sort of spell out what that decision was and how we're getting to this point right now? AB 5 would essentially codify a 2018 Supreme Court California Supreme Court decision called the Dynamex decision. And essentially that ruling changed the standard for when someone needs to be classified as an employee versus an independent contractor. And effectively, uh, the Dynamex ruling and by extension AB5 would expand um, who is considered an employee in California. So more people who are currently working as independent contractors would be considered employees under the new standards. So that's, that's essentially what, what AB5 does. What's the opposition been like from these ride-sharing companies to this bill? What are they saying they're going to do next? Yeah, and I think it's important to note that this bill doesn't only apply to ride-sharing companies. It also applies to a bunch of other industries in California. But I would say the most vocal opposition, the opposition that's gotten really the most attention has been from so-called like gig economy companies such as Uber and Lyft. And essentially they uh, really pushed for an exemption to the rules under AB5. Didn't turn out too well for them. No, they didn't end up getting <laughs> one. And now there's a $90 million potential ballot initiative fight. What's that about? 
Yeah, so Uber, Lyft, and another tech company called DoorDash have pledged $90 million combined to basically mount a ballot measure campaign that would uh, basically exempt workers at those companies from some of the new rules and would allow them allow these companies to continue classifying them as independent contractors. Like I said, Uber is arguing that they're planning to do that anyway, uh, but $90 million is a lot of money. Um, that's a lot of money to pour into a ballot measure. So uh, that indicates to me that they're worried that they might not succeed uh, in, in making that argument in, um, in court. And it's worth noting that 2020 Democrats, several of them have actually come out in support of Assembly Bill 5, but I want to transition to rent cap. And that's something that you've been covering, Hannah. And one thing that is really interesting is that we've seen this conversation about affordability in California and really across the country. What's this bill that's being considered going to do to address this housing crisis that California is in right now? Right. Well, you said it. It's a rent cap bill. It's not rent control, uh, which was a ballot measure defeated by California voters last year. So lawmakers came to the table this year and decided to come up with a solution that would impose a 5% rent cap increase plus inflation um, over certain buildings across California. And the bill just passed the assembly floor and now heads to the governor also for signing. And Newsom has uh, appears ready with pen poised uh, to sign off on the measure. The bill also extends tenant protection like just cause eviction as well. So landlords would not be able to throw out renters unless they violated provisions of the lease and unless they've been in the apartment for less than a year. So it's kind of a two for one proposal. One thing that the two of you have been working on lately is this issue with vaccines. And as you're going to hear right now, we've got some audio. So here, take a listen first. Amendments are worse. Veto the bill. Amendments are worse. Veto the bill. So those were the protesters outside of the governor's office that we heard earlier this week who are really critical of this proposal. <laughs> what does it do? What is this major coalition doing to oppose mm -hmm. Senate Bill 276. Yeah, so this was a very high profile proposal this year that would crack down on doctors who issue medical exemptions to California school children um, ahead of their vaccination requirements. So it requires doctors to fill out a standard form crafted by the Department of Public Health and they would file that form with the department and Essentially, if a child qualifies for a medical exemption, if he or she has an Im immunocompromised system, if he or she is going through cancer treatments, et cetera, that, that is a medical exemption that um, is pretty standard. But if a doctor is issuing five or more exemptions per year, that's going to raise a red flag by the department because under public health perspective, exemptions should be incredibly rare. And then if a school falls below a 95% vaccination rate, that would also raise oversight um, power by the department officials to look and say, well, how many exemptions are being administered? Who is administering these exemptions, et cetera? And the bill's proponents say it's incredibly necessary to protect kids who are way too sick or babies who are too young to get the shots. 
So, Sophia, Gavin Newsom actually already signed this bill. Yes. And you were on site to really see the protests that ensued outside of his office. What was that scene like and what did Newsom say? Because there was some drama between him and the legislature about the final language of this. Yeah. So, as I think both you and Hannah have mentioned, this bill has been uh, really hotly protested. Um, Seven arrests this week. Yes. Seven people were arrested at the Capitol. Uh, There were must have been hundreds of protesters there. They packed the hall outside of the governor's office. They were yelling and chanting. They also shut down proceedings in both houses of the legislature temporarily, but that's pretty unusual. It's very rare to have disruptions during a floor session. Usually those are are pretty calm and, um, you know, lawmakers sometimes get into heated debates, but the sergeants, uh, the basically officers who keep order in the chambers are usually really good about not letting anybody make disruptions, but there were just so many protesters packing the galleries that uh, they basically were shouting so loudly that the legislature couldn't conduct its business. In terms of Newsom's role in all of this, he took the unusual step in June of actually raising concerns about the measure. That's not something that- uh, The governor's office does not typically comment on pending legislation as they like to say. Yes, well that was certainly the, you know, that was certainly how it usually worked under Jerry Brown's tenure. But now that Newsom is in office, it's a bit different. He weighs in on a lot more legislation than I uh, saw Jerry Brown weigh in, at least uh, toward the end of his fourth term. Newsom came out in June and said he had concerns about the bill, and subsequently the bill was amended. He said he would support it, and then right after lawmakers passed the bill, uh, he said he had new concerns and that there needed to be additional changes. And so those were actually enacted through a separate piece of legislation, uh, but that was really an unusual uh unusual turn of events to have the governor weighing in early on, saying he'll sign it, then going back on that and saying uh, there needed to be additional changes. And this is Brian Anderson. Reminder, you're listening to California Nation with Sophia Boleg and Hannah Wiley. We're all three reporters covering the legislature at the California Capitol for the Sacramento Bee. I want to just sort of round this out by talking about a broader conversation about guns and police accountability that has taken place. We saw with the Gilroy shooting that that raised a lot of concern that California's protections to to try and protect victims and make sure there's no gun violence cases might not be going as far as some lawmakers would like to see. We have a proposal of one gun per month. We have uh, proposals that really try and crack down on ammunition sales. What can you tell me about this broader conversation about guns? Yeah, this is an issue that uh, Newsom has talked about a lot. He has been an advocate for gun control for a really long time. Uh, and now that he's governor, he has said he, he plans to continue that trend, uh, that, that pattern. <laughs> um, and he has expressed support for basically tightening gun laws in California, but really, especially following uh, the shooting in Gilroy, California, He really laid blame at the feet of the federal government and the president. So there is another attempt out of the assembly to expand who can file gun or who can petition for a gun violence restraining order. Currently, families, uh, family members and spouses 
are the only ones who can petition a court to take away, temporarily take away the gun from someone who might pose a danger to him or herself or the community at large. But this bill would actually expand that capacity to coworkers, to school staff, so university and high school staff, and then employ fellow employees. Um, and employers. So it's it's a major step toward in the wake of these mass shootings extending this opportunity to take away gun to, or opportunity for people closest to um, individuals suspected of dangerous activity to to take that away. And one thing that you've covered in the past has been Senate Bill 50 with mm -hmm. Scott Weiner. Mm -hmm. That was a major housing bill that actually died. Yeah. What happened? Yeah, so it just it was held really early on on um, the first legislative deadline back in the spring uh, during Senate appropriations. The bill was moved to a two-year agenda. What and did it do? Yeah, so so the bill would have streamlined. Um, well, it would have rewritten zoning regulations for uh, in local jurisdictions. So it, it would have mandated that local authorities uh, allow for greater density construction in jobs-rich and transit-rich areas. So uh, Senator Weiner has long argued that the 3.5 million unit deficit in California is create, has created this crisis, this affordability and housing crisis in the state, and that the most comprehensive solution would, to be, would be to build and to build denser housing. So for allowing more duplexes, fourplexes, multi-unit housing um, in traditionally zoned like single-family neighborhoods and um, Senator Portantino decided to hold it in Senate appropriations with his committee this year. The dreaded suspense file. The suspense file, yes it was actually kind of a shock. Um, I, I don't think many were expecting that to happen but Senator Weiner has vowed to, to retake the legislation up in January and uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. And that transitions well to another bill that really died at the hands of Senator Portantino in a suspense file process, and that was with Assemblyman Phil Ting's paper receipts proposal. We saw California last year ban plastic straws unless you request those straws at restaurants, and now he was trying to do something similar to paper receipts. He tells us that he's going to take this up next year. Take a listen. No, no, no. I, th I think we're going to take a look. I think we built a really uh, wonderful coalition of folks who... Um, had some interest in this bill. Uh, I uh, know that anytime you do a bill for the first time, you have to work out a lot of the kinks. And so it's a question of whether we bring back the exact same bill or whether we bring back something that's a little more tailored. Um, we're we're going to look at a wide variety of options. You're listening to California Nation. I'm your host, Brian Anderson. I'm joined now by my colleague, Andrew Schiller, where he's going to explain a new law California passed. Andrew, thanks for coming on the show. It's great to have you. Thank you for having me on. So, Andrew, it's my understanding that California recently passed a law and Newsom signed this bill banning schools from spending disruptive kids. Can you tell me more about what this bill does, when it goes into effect, and why it's so important? Absolutely. So the bill that you're talking about goes into effect next year, July 1st of 2020. Uh, it specifically applies to grades four and five. Already, the state prohibited suspending students for willful uh, misbehavior uh, for grades kindergarten through third. This bill takes that and extends it to four or five permanently. It also applies to grades six, 
6 through 8 until July 1st, 2025. So essentially a five-year window where this bill can be observed, the prohibition can be observed for uh, students grades 6 through 8. And what's the point of this? I know there's some talk in the education community that if you suspend kids, maybe that leads to some sort of prison pipeline. But what is the purpose of keeping unruly kids in a classroom? Okay, so the the big thing here is that there were so many suspensions for willful defiance in the year 2011-2012. It's just an example. This was provided by the state um, this was provided by the state. Uh, that year, more than 335, there were more than 335,000 suspensions for willful defiance alone. Now, that was before the state had this, this ban in place. Now, in the academic year 2017-18, there were fewer than 51,000 suspensions for willful defiance. So a massive decline in such such suspensions. And the reason why this matters is because, as, as you mentioned, there's this school-to-prison pipeline that people talk about where students are disproportionately punished, often because of, of a racial element. By way of example, and again, this comes from the state, black students made up just 5.6% of the total enrollment for academic year 2017-18, yet they accounted for 15.6% of the total suspensions for willful defiance. Now, well, more more than two and a half times, roughly. Exactly. Now, compare that to white students who make up about 23% of total enrollment, yet they accounted for a fifth, 20% of suspension for willful defiance. So more in line with what you would expect for those numbers. Concerns I've heard from conservative circles and from ordinary parents is, hey, if I have a kid who's being picked on or if I have a kid who's being prevented from learning in a classroom because of class clown or some disruptive kid, why should my kid have to suffer because of someone else? You know, that that's a really good question and one that I've heard as well. Interestingly, the bill was only opposed by one group, uh, the Charter School Development Center. The executive director for that center, I, I, spoke, I spoke to the executive director for that center in an interview, and he called this a one-size-fits-all approach that runs contrary to the spirit of charter schools. He said that he was concerned uh, about another provision of this law which prohibits expulsion for unruly behavior uh, for all grades, kindergarten through high school. He called this, uh, quote, a fix in search of a problem. What's this mean for teachers and educators? So this will likely continue the trend of seeing fewer suspensions for willful defiance and misbehavior. However, there's a pretty glaring omission that this bill does not cover, and that's high school, which is arguably the grades where you're most likely going to see those suspensions. I spoke with the bill's sponsor, Senator Nancy Skinner, about this, and she said that if she had her way, this bill would have also covered high school, but essentially political pragmatism took over, and in order to get it through, the bill had to cover the grades that it did. It wouldn't surprise me if down the road, just as we've seen kind of this incremental approach toward adding grades, uh, it would not surprise me if we saw high school perhaps down the road, the uh, high school grades get added. Well, Andrew, this is an important bill. People can follow it at SACB.com, and I thank you so much for taking the time and coming on our show. It was great having you. Thank you for having me. 
Before we go, I wanted to round up with a few final bills worth mentioning. At Gavin Newsom's desk are two bills that could carry a lot of consequence for you. Student athletes could soon be paid in California starting in 2023 under a bill from State Senator Nancy Skinner. Newsom at his desk also has a DMV appointment selling bill that outlaws the practice of selling DMV appointments. That is, of course, if you're not the DMV. And finally, earlier this year, in July, Gavin Newsom signed a law related to California wildfires. For all of our coverage, you can visit SACB.com and click on Capital Alert. We'll bring in news as it happens and continue to monitor the rest of this legislative session and what goes to Newsom, what he signs, what he doesn't. Sophia, Hannah, thanks for coming on the show. It's great having you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Brian R. Anderson. That's B-R-Y-A-N-R-A-N-D-E-R-S-O-N. Until next time, I'm Brian Anderson. This is California Nation.